God's word. And before we do, let's pray together that we would hear God speak to us. So we pray, thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Teach us through your word and equip us for every good work for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it'll be great if you turn in your Bibles uh, and get your Bibles. You study with us as we do in our church building. Uh, we're going to turn now to Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 11 of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 8 and verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. When I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man, blind, blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. When his eyes were open, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So before we study God's word together, let's ask for God's help as we look into this, this wonderful word of the Lord God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit and show us more and more of King Jesus. We thank you, Lord, 
that this gospel is revealing to us who Jesus is and what he has come to do. And we pray that you would give us eyes to see it and hearts to obey. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been studying Mark, if you've just joined with us. Uh, we've been studying Mark's gospel and um, we've been uh, looking at who Jesus is and why he came. Uh, and Mark gives us a great hint. It's like the Maz textbooks that I used to have when I went to school. Uh, I couldn't understand the Maz at all. And so I used to go to the back of the book, find the answer to the question, and then work out everything from there. And Mark's gospel it works the other way around. It gives us the answer right at the very start of the gospel uh, and then goes ahead and tries to prove that this is the case. And so I'm going to really encourage you to turn to Mark's gospel, not to chapter 8 this time, but to Mark 1, verse 1, and let's read it together. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That word, Messiah isn't Jesus' surname. So like Brian Martin or George Okikiuli or David Armstrong. It's a title. It actually means Jesus, the promised anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, God's promised king. And we're going to study that a little more as we look today of how the king opens blind eyes. And so let's come back to Mark chapter 8 and verse 11. I wonder if you've ever seen those pictures of the before and after picture where you can't understand what's made the difference. Uh, sometimes I see adverts of ladies and men. Uh, on one side, she's, he's, uh, how would you put it politely, quite large. On the other side, they've lost a ton of weight. They're now amazingly thinner. And what we're supposed to see when we see those adverts is we're meant to ask the question, well, what's made the difference between the before and the after picture? I'm meant to look more carefully at that advert and find out what made the before picture turn into the after one. Now, as you can see on the camera, even though those adverts have been quite dramatic, I still haven't worked out the solution because I'm well aware that what I need to do is stop eating chocolates and stop eating sweets and get out and walk and run a whole lot more. Well, in our passage in Mark's Gospel, Mark has for us a before and an after picture. And he wants to show to us what made the change? What made the difference? So please pick up a Bible and Mark chapter 8 and we're going to begin by looking at the before picture. The before picture. So let's look at verse 14. And we find Jesus there in a boat. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread They've only got one loaf, one loaf between 13 of them. They've forgotten their sarnies. And so Jesus prompts a warning. 
He warns the disciples. Did you see it there in verse 15? Have a little look at it. He says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So that's a warning from Jesus to these disciples to watch out for the Pharisees and for Herod. Because they're out to destroy Jesus. And we see in verse 16, we see the disciples completely miss the point. They've, they're discussing with this with one another. And they're asking each other, is it because we've got no bread that Jesus is saying this stuff? And it's if Jesus does a face plant. You know what I mean by a face plant, don't you? So, verse 17, it says, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Of course, they didn't understand. As we've seen in Mark's gospel, this isn't the first time that the disciples haven't got it. And so Jesus reminds them. He reminds them of wonderful miracles of the feeding of the 5,000 and of the 4,000. And if you remember, as we looked back to Mark chapter 6, we saw that how that feeding pointed forward to the identity of King Jesus. Remember? They were an exodus picture of God rescuing his people and feeding his people with the manna in the wilderness. But the disciples, that just seemed to skirt over their heads. It just passed them by. They didn't get it. And maybe we know people like them. They've shown interest in Christian things. They've had the gospel clearly explained to them. They maybe even believe Jesus is there. But somehow, they just don't seem to get who Jesus is, what he came to do. Maybe they think that it's all very interesting, but they don't see how it matters to them. Well, if we know people like that, then the disciples' response doesn't give us a lot of hope. Because think about it. These disciples have been with Jesus for three years. They've heard all he said. They've seen the miracles. And if they don't get it, what hope is there for our friends, for our families, for our neighbours today? Those who lived 2,000 years ago didn't get it. And those who lived 2,000 years later, what hope do they have? How will they see who Jesus is? You see, even those who have been seeing, hearing, don't get it. Uh, and verse 21 seems to sum it up, doesn't it? Have a little look at that. Jesus says to them, do you still not understand? They don't. They don't get it. There's a real failure to get it. And we might think, well, will they ever understand? That is the before picture. The before picture. And now we're going to look at the after picture. Uh, and I want you to turn to verse 27. Jesus is now with the disciples. You see it there? Verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Now, even before we get to that answer, let's look at that question. Jesus is concerned that people understand who he is. 
which is exactly the same concern of Mark's gospel. Because as you remember the start of the sermon, we look at Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and it tells us who Jesus is. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, or Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, God's promised King, God the Son. Mark wants to show us that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, God's promised King. And all the way through the gospel, Mark has been showing us that that's the case. Well, look, look at verse 28. And we see there are a range of answers, don't we? A pile of answers to that question, who is Jesus, just like there is today. And each one of them, actually, here in verse 28, is quite surprising. It's surprising to say that anybody could be one of these people. But in Jesus' case, it's not surprising enough. Because there's more to Jesus than John the Baptist. More to Jesus than Elijah. More to Jesus than just the prophet. So Jesus then in verse 29 asks his disciples directly, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And then Peter, the unofficial spokesman of the disciples, replies, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Now if that statement is true, it changes the whole world. It means that the creator of the world has kept his promise and has sent his king into the world. And he's going to rescue the world from the mess that it's in, even coronavirus. going to rescue his people and then he's going to establish his rule forever. If that's who Jesus is, then there is nothing more important for us or anyone else to recognize. If we recognize that Jesus is God's King, then surely it will turn our life upside down. We'll discover more about what that looks like as we study Mark again in September. But for now, we can't help but see that Peter has got it. He's got it. He's realized who Jesus is. It's an amazing transformation from what we saw before. Before, none of the disciples understand. After Peter's clear declaration of who it is standing before him, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. So what made the difference? What makes the difference? Well, you'll notice that we jumped a, 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 a bit of the passage. We jumped over verses 21 to 27. And I'm going to ask you to go there now. Because Mark has put these middle verses very carefully into our before and after picture to answer that question, what makes the difference? He wants to show us that Jesus Christ, God's King, opens blind eyes. And so if you remember, we've been following Jesus the doctor. And do you remember which part, departments of the hospital we've been through? First of all, orthopedics, as the lame man walks in Mark chapter 2. And then the last time, we've been studying Jesus in the cardiology department in Mark chapter uh, 7, where our hearts are diagnosed 
as being far from God. We've had the EMT with hearing being restored. And now Jesus tries his hand at ophthalmology, ophthalmology, should I say, the diagnosis and treatment of eye disorders. And in verse 22 to 26, we see Jesus entering Bethsaida. And we've seen Jesus enter places. His teaching, his miracles have all gone before. And so people want to meet him. And we see here the local blind man has come to Jesus and he has begged Jesus to touch him, to heal him. And we can just imagine, can't we, not only the blind man, but all the blind man's friends and neighbours coming up to Jesus, explaining to him how hard his life has been, asking Jesus to have mercy upon him, asking Jesus, please touch him, please heal him. But sure enough, Jesus does. Jesus heals. Now that shouldn't surprise us. Because we've seen Jesus heal time and time again. But as we read Mark's gospel, hopefully we start to see that when Jesus heals, there's more than just a miracle involved. Mark has shown us Jesus' authority over every kind of sickness. So why this healing here? Why this healing in Mark 8? Well, let's look back to the disciples again and the before picture. Have a look at how Jesus describes it in verse 17. He says, Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Have a look at how Jesus diagnoses the problem. Of course, the disciples have physical eyes. But Jesus says, don't you see? They're blind of who it is before them. So they have a sight problem. And what can be done? Well, let me read out from verse 22 and see what Mark's trying to tell us. I'm going to emphasize a few words here. <clears throat> Excuse me. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and let him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. That his eyes were open. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Sorry for the overemphasis there, but you see the point Mark's making. The problem for the man was that he couldn't see, but then he was healed. So Jesus heals the physically blind man, but it shows us also what he does in the hearts of his followers. He gives the disciples and others eyes to see who he is. He opens blind eyes to let people see that he is God's king. And again, do we see that this very miracle shows us who Jesus is? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the prophecy of Isaiah written 700 years before Christ. In Isaiah 35, we read from verse 3, Strengthen the feeble hands, 
steady the needs that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And listen to this. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. But what have we seen in chapters 1 through the 8 of Mark's Gospel? The lame walking, the deaf hearing. Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 31 and following. And now we see Jesus opening the eyes of the blind in Mark chapter 8. This shows us that God's King is here. The promised one, the Messiah, the Christ is here. And he's opening blind eyes. Not only physically, but spiritually. So here's a question for you. Do you believe that God does miracles today? Do you believe that God does miracles today? Well, if we understood this passage in Mark, then the answer has to be yes! God works miracles today. Let me rephrase the question. Are people coming to Christ today? Yes. Yes, they are. Because as the disciples show, this recognition of Jesus is not from themselves. They're stuck in the before. It takes a miracle to get them to the after picture. But today as we look all around the world, we see millions of people who follow Jesus as their king. So each of those must be an example of that miracle. God at work showing people who Jesus is. God at work opening blind eyes. And if we are following Jesus this morning, then we must stop and praise God because he has worked a miracle in us. And that's humbling because it means to say we can never see Jesus for ourselves. We're like the disciples stuck in the before picture. We need Jesus' miracle to open our eyes to see our need of Christ and to show us who Christ is to get us to the after picture where we recognize Jesus as God's promised king. See, we're too caught up in our self-centered lives to see who Jesus is. But God in his kindness and his mercy has opened our eyes to see who Jesus is. And has given us faith to come to him. I pray this morning that God would work in your heart to show you who Jesus is. God would give you the faith to repent and to turn to Christ. We Christians have so much to praise God for. Not only did God Send Jesus to die on the cross to save us. Not only did he send his king to put the world right. But we hear this good news about Jesus. If we are believers, God has opened our eyes to see Jesus. And has 
given us the faith to come to Jesus for rescue. We've seen Jesus because God has opened our eyes so that we might see his king. It's an amazing thing to praise God for. That before we couldn't see him, Jesus does the miracle of revealing himself to us so that we might in faith, like Peter, confess Jesus as God's promised king, the only one who can save us. And so let's pray together now as we just take a moment of time to ask ourselves, have we seen Jesus? As we think, are we seeing Jesus clearly? Let's turn to God and let's praise him and thank him and ask him to open our eyes to see who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Our Father, we praise you that Jesus is your king who came to earth as you promised. We confess that we would never have seen this for ourselves. And so we ask you in your mercy, open our eyes to Jesus. Help us to repent of our sins and to place our faith in Jesus Christ, God's King. And if we are Christians, we thank you for opening our eyes. And we pray that you would open other eyes this morning. We pray that you'd be working a powerful move of your spirit so that people would see who Jesus is. We pray that as the good news about Jesus Christ continues to be made known all around the world, that you would continue this miracle of letting people see who Jesus is so they would turn and follow you. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing now as we think about what we've said. We're going to turn and sing our hymn together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing together.